Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So, we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects this morning, sin. It's not my favorite subject. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we've been on this journey of looking at these things about, uh, really it's about our authority, but it's, it's because it's about the magnificent freedom that Jesus brought to us as believers. What we, are, what we were actually designed by God to walk in. So at this time of the year, that's when we normally sing the Emmanuel songs, God with us. But this is how God is, God designed us to be with us. He made it to be this way. Even Jesus coming in the incarnation, what we celebrate right now, that wasn't the glorious thing, even though angels sang glory to God in the highest. The glorious thing was he was going to fulfill the law in perfection, die on your behalf as you on a cross, raised from the dead so he could be Emmanuel. So he could be with us. God's with you all the time. Don't ever doubt that in these coming days. Well, what happens when I sin? So this is the question I got asked as we were going through this study about freedom. How does God deal with me when I sin? It's a great question. Actually, it's a terrible question. I hate it. We all do secretly because we all have secret sin. Sin doesn't like to show itself until it can embarrass you and humiliate you and drag you through the mud. It, it likes hiding. Oh, then I better make sure it's not hidden. Well, God chose a way to deal with sin so that he could choose a way to deal with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, you better give me a head nod or we're going to be here way past the Chiefs game. Okay, here's the issue. How does God deal with me when I sin? Everybody, every believer goes through this. And uh, it's really, really, I, I can't tell you how important a concept this is, that if you can understand, and, um, and really it's this, and a lot of people don't like this word, but if you can embrace, embrace the theology of the new covenant and what Jesus did, you can walk in a freedom that you've never known. I guarantee it. How can you say such a thing? Because he guaranteed it. He gave, he gave us a guarantor, the Holy Spirit inside of us. He guaranteed it with a promise. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about our position of being in Christ and then the promise that came with it. So when you look at that, this literally is the promise. There's a handful of scriptures. I've got some of them up there. Some of them you can read along with me. But I want you to hear them all today because you, 
you would not believe how many times this new covenant concept is repeated and we don't see it. And we don't really know how to acknowledge it. So I'm going to begin with Romans 6.10 so you hear all these strung together. You have to recognize as I do this and get, a, get very firm. And remember I was talking about perspective, how you see things. You have to get the perspective that God took into himself sin once for all time. For us, because we can sin daily, we think there has to be a sacrifice daily. Or that there has to be this process that we go through. Well, your sin makes an accusation against you and you have authority to deal with but it doesn't move Jesus this way or that way. What you do or don't do doesn't move God on your behalf. You're in position. If you don't see yourself in that position, you'll wonder where God's at. Romans 6.10 says, For the death that he died, he died to sin, listen to this word, or these words, once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now think about this. God with us, God being inside of me through the Holy Spirit, is living for who? Connect it. Come on. He's living for God. So who is that making you live for? That's why Paul writes later in that chapter, you died to sin. He died. You died. He was buried. You were buried. He rose to new life. You rose to new life. Not I will rise. I rose to new life. What's true of God is true of me. Why? Because he lives. And he lives to God. Oh, I wish I had a heart that was more after God. You, you do have a heart that's after God. Matter of fact, your heart couldn't get more after God. You have to tell yourself lies to convince yourself that it's not real. That's maybe one of the more despicable tactics of the enemy. Hebrews 7.26. Hebrews is a, along with Romans is a, and Colossians, these are, these are key chapters and key writings that Paul gave us to actually understand this. And when I understand it, I know how to deal with sin, which is don't deal with sin. Hebrews 7, for such a high priest was fitting for us. It's speaking of Jesus in this role of being the high priest. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. If you're a sinner, you, you're not with God. So how can you be a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I was a sinner. Now I'd be St. Lloyd. And has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices 
first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did, Jesus, here comes that phrase again, once for all, when he offered up himself. My daily basis isn't on Jesus having to hear that confession of how I'm managing my sin, which, biggest to least, do you pray that way? Let me start with the really big one today, God. So that he can die again for it and it be covered. That's not a New Testament concept. He died once for everything I ever did, everything I'm doing, everything I will ever do. He died already for it. It's already there. It's already been taken care of. What do I confess then? Exactly that. I confessed that you died for this and I'm not living in my true identity. And it feels really uncomfortable and my, just what Hebrews says, my conscience is testifying against me, telling me what a stinker I still am. It's a lie. Sinning's a lie. That's the biggest thing about sin is it's a lie. It tells you that you can get gratification outside of God. It's a lie. Do I ever have to taste of it again? No, you don't. But if you live under an old system, you will. You'll taste it continually. Okay, Hebrews 9 says this. It's going off Hebrews 7. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, still speaking of Jesus, he entered the most holy place. Here comes that phrase again. What is it? Once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. And don't go to God day after day getting redemption. That puts me in such an insecure place with God. I don't go to God to get forgiven. I go to God because I am forgiven. It's such a huge mind shift for the mind of every believer. I don't go to Him because I'm bad. I go to Him because He's good. That's why I go to God. I don't have to convince God that just give me a little one more time. Oh, if you could find it in your heart to be merciful to me again. And then you mortgage your spiritual framework and future. Then I'll, I'll, I'll be at church regular, I promise God. Because church will keep me from doing that. No, it won't. Church is filled with the same stuff everything else is. But we get to be together. And if you can hear the place where the gospel is being preached, it's really good. <laughs> Hebrews 10.10 By that we have all been sanctified. I'm waiting to be sanctified. Really? I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified. <laughs> you know, no additives. We will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. Seriously, if you want to do a great study, just type in those three words in your PC study Bible and you're going to go, what? It's there over, I'm giving you some of them. 
It's here repeated over and over again. Why? Because we need to hear it over and over and over and over and over again in our hearts. Why? Because my thoughts are prone to wander. Because I can get tempted to do the very thing that's not in my true identity to do. That's Romans 7, by the way. And I won't do the thing that I knew I should have done. That's in Romans 7. Here's another one. It's 2 Corinthians 5.19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen to this phrase. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you know what that word is? Little five letter word. Grace. As John would say it. It's grace. It's the word. That's the only word by which reconciliation comes. It's the unmerited favor of God. How do you know it's unmerited? Because he said he's not imputing. Impute means to mark down. When you impute something, you mark it down. You remember it. He says he's not imputing their what? Sins. Trespasses to them. How does God deal with my sin? It was dealt with. It was dealt with. Listen, Colossians 2. And you, being dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven about half of your trespasses. The really hard ones, but the little ones you get to keep, like how you cheated on your taxes last year. By the way, that might be a biggie for some people is coming up. He is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having not, he didn't just forgive the sin, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Of what I, the way that I had to have sin dealt with has been wiped clean. Why? Once for all. When you start taking that concept, you make it part of your prayer language, you go to God so differently. And it's, oh, my sin management was wacky. Just absolutely crazy. And I, I would play, pray these blank check prayers, not telling anybody, I didn't even tell Brenda about it. But before I would go to sleep at night, I would say, oh God, if I did anything this day, I just ask that you would cover that. And if I forgot to do something and it was out of the way, would you please forgive me? Because I want to I have a heart that's after you and I want to bless you. God's going, oy vey. <laughs> I want to I be the Psalms. I want to awake and know that I'm still with you. What, you think I'm going to leave you? Be- because you called Brenda a naughty word? Oh, yeah, that was one of my worst. No. (laughs) Think through this, you guys. Think, just use your spiritual rationality 
and connect this because it's so glorious. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. This doesn't, it means this. If it's contrary to you, that meant what I really wanted to be was Jesus' little boy. That's my true self. And he has taken it out of the way. It's gone. Having nailed it to the cross. Now, I know I'm a nut. I always use this this film. And yes, it's my all-time favorite. But do you remember this scene in Lord of the Rings when Smeagol gets free of the ring? And how his persona changes? And he, t- and he, tells, he, he tells Gollum to go away and then listens. It's such, it's such an incredible... He could have lived there the rest of his life. It's such an image, you guys. And he, and he goes, gone, gone, gone! I told it to go away and it's God, precious God! That's where that character, that was his redemption. That's where he was supposed to live. He didn't ever have to submit to it again, and he did out of pain. Think through that. When pain comes, we try to replace what Christ has given us with something else that can't touch it. We're no different than Gollum, we're pitiful. We can't seem to help ourselves. Well then, how does God deal with us? We'll get there. Aren't you glad he nailed it to a cross? Hebrews 10 says this, But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifices for sins forever, there's that concept, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. When are you perfected? When you receive Christ. Your experience can be Smeagol Gollum. But your position is I received Christ and he sanctified me. What? This, this, is, this is the most phenomenal thing that if we could learn this, we'd all be giddy all the time. You'd be as, you'd be as wacko as I do when I get up here and get excited. Brenda goes, you get so excited you forget where you're at. Yes! I agree! May it always be that way, that I get so excited about this message. We keep waiting for God to do something and don't know how to rejoice in what he's done. We keep looking for some some other big howitzer to go off. And then most of the time when it happens, it's... That's what I was waiting for? Instead of learning to celebrate what Christmas is in our hearts. Do you remember that old Christmas musical? Christmas isn't Christmas till it's Christmas in your heart. 
you, do, you guys know that one? No? Well, you got to hear my Frank Sinatra rendition. Oh, Chris, Christmas isn't an event. It's a Savior who came into my life. I don't even have to get in the Christmas spirit to celebrate it. I was bemoaning that the other day, and then I went, that's silly. I celebrate Christmas every day. He nailed it to the cross. He's not marking your sin. He's not. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. This is like Chief Joseph of the Nez Pierce, the last great native conflict. And when he signed the treaty, he said, I will make war no more forever. I'm not at war. That's, it's stunning. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I got to go get God's mercy. It's already there. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And that he says, a new covenant he has made. The first, obsolete. There's not a system of requirements you receive Christ. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Here's the thing, beloved. If you keep doing sin management, you're wasting your time. Won't make you a better person. Won't help you stop sinning more. Won't get it out of the way until you can get this New Testament concept in that he died once for everything I will ever do wrong. And you run to him when it happens. And it's not dependent on your confession. It's that he's in you and it's forgiven. And it cha- oh, it changes your prayer life. It changes your view because you're changing your position. You're, it's really, we're going to talk about that in two weeks. But it changes your posture, how you present yourself to God. Well, what about when I do mess up, though? And I know, like, I deserve some things for that mess up. We love this. We just, we... Ready for another P word? Parenting. How does God deal with me when I do sin? As a parent. As a father to a child. God deals with you. Uh, it's there, right? It's, it's, it's closely linked to your position because you're one with the Father through Christ. That's your position. So God deals with my sin when I mess up as a parent. My position is that I'm His child. And it's a place of security. When I sin, He doesn't mark it against me. He's not cruel to me. He corrects me. Every parent that loves their child corrects their child. Every parent would do that. You know, it's really fun, you know, are are people inherently good? Oh, no. (laughs) 
Do you ever notice that you don't have to teach a child to lie? You have to teach him to tell the truth through correcting. Some of them are really good at it. Did you hide those beans under the table? No. But they're there. How'd they get there? I don't know. Were they off your plate? No. But you're the only one that had beans. No. Okay, so when the child does that, you knock them upside of the head and throw them outside and say, until you can learn to quit lying and eat your beans, you stay outside. Really, that's what a parent would do? I don't think so. If they did, he's worth than Fyodor Karamazov in the, in the famous Russian novel. That's despicable. He needs to go to prison for a long time. Eat his own beans. Listen to Hebrews 12. You struggle against sin, but your struggles haven't killed you. We always take this that you're supposed to struggle more. What's he really saying here? He said, come on. He's, look. He's Lloyd going, really? Really? Oh, yeah, you're really struggling against it. No, you're not. You haven't, you haven't got to the point that you're bleeding over your sin. You've forgotten, here's the key phrase, you've forgotten the encouraging words that God speaks to you as his children. My child, pay attention when the Lord disciplines you don't give up when he corrects you don't go I can't get over this I just can't do it right that's a lie in Christ you were right the Lord disciplines everyone he loves he severely disciplines everyone he accepts as his child now here's where the funny phraseology comes in here because Back in the day when the old King James was first put into print and they saw this, they decided to use a certain word for discipline that was used by the court system and the rulers. And they used the word scourge. Every child he loveth, he scourges. Do you know what scourging was? It was not that word. It was 39 stripes on your back with a cat of nine tails that had bones and little fragments of pottery woven into it. It was scourging. That's not God. <laughs> he chastises. Have you ever been chastised? Do you know what chastisement sounds like? It's a scolding. It's a telling you of the difference between right and wrong and how far away from right you are. He scolds us. If you think God's going to give you a car accident because you sinned yesterday, you have a very distorted view of God that comes out of that word scourging. Discipline. 
The one I always love is God sent me to that church because he's disciplining me. Oh, really? What an Irish compliment that is. God help that pastor. I'm really bad, so they're sending me to that church to discipline my life. Oh, God. I hope that's not why you're here. Leave if you are. It's okay. If I'm that bad, you got, God's using me to discipline your life. Hopefully he's using me to wake it up. My child, pay attention when the Lord disciplines you. Don't give up when he corrects you. If you got scourged, you'd give up. You'd quit. If God was up there with a fist waiting to correct your sin, you wouldn't go. Oh no, precious, you wouldn't go. Endure your discipline. What does it mean to endure? Listen to what he's speaking to your heart and go, it's not who I am. It's not how I, what I was made for. It's not the person God believes me to be. And then if you really want to take on the heart of the learner, ask him, how do I see myself correctly? And how do I see that you died once for all for me? That's enduring a correction. Now, I'm going to bear my soul for just a minute and we'll get ready to close with this. I don't get those kind of harsh corrections anymore. Do you not sin? Yeah, I occasionally stumble. I run to him immediately and say, that's not who I am. And he helps me along the way with things like the temptations to do one thing or another. And it's always quiet and gentle. So this is way, maybe it's because that's how I deal with my kids, but that's how God deals with me. He just goes, hey, buddy, don't do that. It's going to hurt you and somebody else. And then you've got to go talk to him about it, and it's humiliating. So he's gentle like a father. I just, he comes up and puts his arms over me and goes, you ready to do something about this? I took this so that you could be free from it. Now walk in a freedom, and that freedom looks exactly like this, and he always paints a picture for me. But he's quiet and gentle, just like the father I never had. So let me re-say it to you from the ESV version, because it's, it's really good. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you're reproved by him. That's actually the correct word. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, here's the only scary verse that goes with this. If you are left without discipline in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If God doesn't come to you, go... Oh, Brenda, don't say it that way. Don't say that to somebody that way. And you don't receive it, and, and the corrections, 
the chastisement gets louder, then the real question that needs to come in your heart, wait a minute, whose kid am I? I'm getting away with this. Pray to never get away with anything. Don't let me get away with anything. Well, it's such a difficult way to live. No, it's such a wonderful way to live. I'd rather know on the front end before I do it. That's what this is all designed for. He doesn't mark it against you. He goes, nah, that won't bring life. Oh, I ain't going to do that then. Oh, you're with me. Forever. You're, you're with me. It's so much easier on the... Do you see what I'm saying? It's so much easier on this end of it. So I pray these kind of prayers regarding my sin. Lord, don't let me stumble in word or deed. I pray that prayer. But in all my ways, let me acknowledge you. And it started changing things for my life. And the things that I was prone to do, even the little idiosyncratic, well, that's the way I answer stuff. Yeah, yeah, it sounds kind of harsh. Oh, I can, that can change. You can either get it changed through discipline or you can get it changed through discipline. One discipline's on this side, the other discipline's on this side, and I can learn to be who God made me to be. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. It is so wonderful. So a few years ago, I quit doing sin management. He wasn't dealing with me according to my sins, so I stopped dealing with him according to my sins. Ran to him as a child to a father. It was a game changer. What's it meant for your life? I'm more kind. I recognize right away when I get snarky. The, the words can start coming out of my mouth and I go, no, and I try and grab them. Does it work 100% of the time? No, I'm not living in complete perfection. But it's changed the way I live. I live in a new and living way in Christ because he deals with my stuff according to a father to a son. Can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for the revelation of you as parent. I pray for hearts that the enemy has lied and told this person that they're in a besetting sin and that they can't escape. What's the use? If I'm bad, then I might as well be really bad. I, I stand against those lies that come against your incredible parenting power. Keep us right here. You can do it. You did it with me, you can do it with others. You keep me right here. And boy, I like it. It's so safe. Thank you for making a home for my heart and making my heart a home. Be Christmas in me. Thank you that you will never deal with me according to my sins. I will never get what I thought I deserved and maybe even what somebody else thought. I get you as my father. Oh, Father, I love you for it. Oh, Father, I love you that you gave me Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you that you gave me Holy Spirit. 
Oh, Holy Spirit. Wow, I love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you guys.